Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm with Ross Gardam, who's an industrial designer who you've probably heard of, who's doing some amazing um, furniture lighting uh, objects, and uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Ross, you've had an interesting background. You studied industrial design mm-hmm. at Monash University, and then you worked overseas for a number of years with different companies. Uh, interior retail and you returned home in 2007 to establish your own business that takes balls to set up your own business <laughs> in this climate yeah it took a little it took a little while to um to pull myself up to do it but tell I'll... me a little bit about your background because sure. why industrial design was there someone in the family who kind of inspired you or yeah definitely i grew up around making um my father had a brick factory it was actually in the in the family for three generations so it was a full plant so it was it had um processing equipment and kilns etc and as part of that there was a metalwork kind of uh, factory if you like which supported the uh, upkeep of all the machinery and there was also a, a timber factory as well so i grew up making um and probably doing odd jobs for my father at the time. My great-grandfather was actually a carpenter, so the woodwork shed or factory had you know, some beautiful old tools and planes, etc. Um, I suppose at that early age, it wasn't as though I was out there designing or creating things. I was probably just doing odd jobs, but being exposed to that kind of, that kind of environment. And then, I suppose, further into later into school... Um, and high school just had an affinity with design. And I remember the first time I learnt about this thing called industrial design, I think it was in about grade 10, um, and I thought it sounded fantastic. And I suppose since that time, um, someone took me aside and said, you know, this is what I think you should do. Um, was there anyone at the time in the wider industry that kind of gave you a bit of Not direction? at that age. I, look, I grew up um, in the country population of 3,000 people so um, there wasn't a lot of exposure as I said I, I didn't find out until I was in grade 10 what an industrial designer was so um, although my dad was an en- obviously knew about engineering my dad was a mechanical engineer um, yeah I suppose but but from then when I when I realized that I wanted to be an industrial designer and then go, going through the degree at Monash um, yeah it's great. Ross what was the first thing you can remember making as a child. You, well, even as a young adult, that you felt, actually, this is quite good. I could actually take this further and do something with it, like a light or a piece of furniture or something that you actually think had a commercial... Yeah, I don't think that happened yeah. really until yeah. after university or during university, um, where I thought, you know, this could have a commercial outcome. I think at that age I was just making things. I remember making coffee tables and all kinds of different... Yeah little pieces of furniture and uh, really enjoyed metalwork. I don't think there was one particular thing. I, I just don't think I was... Uh, was I had that thing. outlook at that age. Um, yeah. So tell me, when you, you came back from working in the UK, mm. starting up a business, mm. that has to be kind of an agenda. Sure. You can't just say, I'm starting a business. I, you know, I mean, what was in your mind? Sure, because I'd, I'd worked in interior design and also environmental design, um, and I'd, I suppose 
at my heart and the passion for, for was for product um, and, I, and I got that through the industrial design degree so I really wanted to come back and work in product in the product area but having no experience well no real hands-on experience or understanding of the industry that took a lot of time so when I started the business I was also working on interior projects with an aim to do two or three furniture pieces but they weren't you know, ask about you know commercial outlook of a product these these products weren't anything about that they were just experimentation in materials and processes um so more i suppose looking back at it i was trying to understand a uh, understand the industry and look at different concepts of working a lot of it was based around you know simple sustainable uh theory about maximizing material use um using environmental um, environmental products such as cardboard, etc. So the first pieces were really about uh, experimentation. Um, Ross, everything's produced in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, what was your first thing that you made that you thought, ah, I'm actually on the right track? The thing that really kind of, you know, I hate the word iconic because I don't know what sure. that means, but in terms of something that really you could see a really strong future there, a product that everyone said, oh, my God, I have to have one. What was that? Yeah, there were probably two products, but um, the first commercial product that I did was the the Flint table for Tate. But the most successful product, and probably still one of our most successful products, is the Oak Light, which is a timber pendant light, which was one of the first lighting pieces I produced in 2012. Um, and at the time, it... It was quite uh, challenging to produce. There was a lot of testing. There was a lot of people telling me you can't do it. Um, because there wasn't anything in timber? There wasn't any timber lighting, people would say, it w- would crack. Um, there wasn't anything of that. It wasn't an aesthetic thing. It was more the materiality. Um, so there was a lot of testing that went through with that product. And, and because there, I suppose there wasn't a lot of timber products on the market, people were really attracted to it. It's a very tactile thing. Um, the form of the product is really understated it's feat- the main feature is it has a, a protruding hole that goes through the top of the light but besides that the main feature of the product is the beauty of the grain detail you know each product is slightly different um ross obviously timing's everything in design and probably the success of this light mm-hmm. uh, was probably could would you say it was related to this kind of return to timber and natural materials in the last few years that it's kind of almost struck a chord? Sure, yeah, I'd agree with that. In 2012, timber was definitely coming back in. I hate to use these kind of terminology, no, but um, yeah, it was... It, it was stronger. It, yeah, um, and it's probably going more out of fashion now. I suppose I definitely agree it had something to do with the time, but I, try, I suppose I try not to follow trends or get too caught up in that kind of world yeah how did the relationship with tate start because that was the other product that you said yeah i'd known gordon tate and met him a number of times um i mentioned some of those products that i produced early on which were about process Mm -hmm. um i was exhibiting one of those at a trade fair and gordon was actually exhibiting across from me um 
I was, I think I, I, for some reason I wasn't there for the first day, but I had a computer set up and Gordon Tate came over and said, I've been watching your computer for a whole day here because <laughs> he was on the stand across from me. He said, I love this table. I want to produce it. So um, it actually... See this table here? Um, it's the Flint table. So they still sell it um, at Tate stores. Oh, this um, one here? Yeah. So it's an a, outdoor table? It's an outdoor table and the product... It didn't evolve conceptually hugely throughout the process of development. It's it's a very um, simple concept, I suppose. It, it uses the the idea of a a lever a lever to um, hook onto a table edge. So it's quite a pure concept. It didn't develop aesthetically a lot, but there was a lot of there was a lot of refinement to do from a manufacturing sense. Steel. Yeah, it's all steel. So I have fond memories of prototyping on Sundays with Gordon Tate while listening to PBS jazz music. It was it was nice. It was a nice process. Um, and are you developing other products with Gordon? That product is pretty much the only kind of licensed product that I've created. Um, the business, the way it works now, we kind of develop products and bring them to market ourselves with our distributor or mm. we bring products directly to market. I'm looking at some of your um, uh, lights, which are quite extraordinary. There's um, uh, how do you do, how would you what is their name? Sure. So I'm looking at this very beautiful, almost kind of 1930s inspired modernist brass. Definitely. Uh, table lamp. Yeah, it's quite industrial. Um, that that's called the Aura Desk lamp. Um, it was produced in 2000 and late 2015, 2016, and it was shown in Milan in 2016 at the design at um, Milan Design Fair. Yeah, uh, that piece was a little bit of a. It's, it's a definitely a different piece to uh, the way I typically work. It's a limited edition piece, um, and I kind of had the opportunity to put aside some of the rigors we usually work to in the design studio like price point being super disciplined with material etc um and kind of put that aside and created a you know a, a piece that that is a little bit more special um, made of brass the whole thing's made out of solid aluminium bullion so it's quite heavy um i spoke a little bit about my father earlier on yes. um and i hadn't worked with on on with him for anything for like maybe um since i was in my teens so he recently retired so i had the opportunity to work with him again on this project which was really lovely he um as i mentioned he's a engineer and in his retirement he, he created a little workshop with mills and metal lathes etc so just to tinker with um so we had the opportunity to make and prototype the first two versions of that product before it went into production. And it has a movable um, shade, so it basically can swivel. It actually rotates and pivots 360 degrees. Um, that kind of mechanism, and also the it, sh it shares a magnetic mechanism with another light we've produced called the polar light. Um, and it follows my interest in articulation of light um, and, and wanting to use... I suppose, uh, more mechanical techniques for articulation. Um, so, yeah, there's a magnetic cone. It's so a little bit complex, but it allows the product to rotate and orbit around the shade. So 
um, Ross, this was shown in Milan. Mm -hmm. He came back and decided to produce it commercially, or is it still a one-off limited edition piece? So initially we showed the Aura Light as a limited edition of 25 pieces, um, and we showed that in 2016 in Milan, and then in 2017... Emma Elizabeth asked me to be involved in a collective of... Who is that? Emma Elizabeth mm -hmm. asked me to be involved in a collective of 11 designers um, to put a show in a Milan. So we were showing in the 5V area, which is more a kind of art meets design, if you like, um, district. It's a new up-and-coming district in the, in the Milan. And I produced a 23-carat gold version of the oil lamp in in an edition of two to show in Milan as well. Who's got the two? Um, one person has put their name down for one, but they, uh, they're they still available. So. Are we, I mean, solid gold? It's 23 carat plated. Uh, well, I mean, price-wise, it must be horrendous. Yeah, it, yeah. it's pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go in there. <laughs> we won't go there because... Um, um, it's a huge, it's a significant investment. You've got these other lights that are also quite magical um, that appear to be floating. The disc, it's almost this floating disc. Mm -hmm. uh, that was also shown in Milan? Yes, that was shown in Milan in 2016. Um, it was the first time I had the opportunity to exhibit in Milan. I'd visited before. It's obviously very aspirational. Um, been working on that polar desk lamp for about two years. So the timing worked really well to show it last year. Um, the product consists of... It's essentially a reflector light, which, you know, isn't a new concept by any any stretch, but the I believe the aesthetic of the product isn't kind of a new new aesthetic or an archetype for a light. And the, the disc to the lamp base almost appears as if it's detached and floating. Sure. So it's the almost body, suspended in air. Mm, the body is ceramic, and then it has a, a circular disc that reflects and shades light. And that's that disc's attached onto the body on a magnetic arm, which allows it to pivot. So the arm is actually removable. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose the product And is, what's the material of the disc? The material of the disc is aluminium because of the, the weight restrictions with the articulation on the magnet. And the base is um, ceramic. Right. And... I just noticed uh, that the light was actually featured on the front cover of Wallpaper magazine. Yeah, after doing the, sh the show in Milan, the product was really well received in Australia and even probably more so internationally. So, um, yeah, we got great, we've had great feedback on the light um, since, since showing it and it's been selling quite well, which is great. Ross, do you know when you start the design process? I mean, I'm interested in how you actually think and how you get your ideas out there, but... When you're starting something like this mm. polar desk lab, do you kind of get a, a feeling in your stomach that you're onto something quite special? Or is it just you have to wait till you take something to Milan, get it on the front cover of wallpaper? Um, you know, I mean, how does it work? Or do you know there's something going to happen? I, I always... I knew that product was maybe something a little special because of the way it had developed um and that it, there wasn't a kind of an it wasn't a typical archetype of a light and people are attracted to new and different things so i, I suspected that um we would you know we'd be able to show it and get good feedback because it's quite you know it's, it's quite a different aesthetic to other products on the market um 
So is this going to be available through Europe? Uh, we're looking at that. At the moment, it's available online worldwide through our store, but we obviously have plug issues because we have we sell it with an Australian plug. So uh, you have um, to convert it. Yeah. I suppose it's, it's not a... I don't see this product as being a hugely mass-produced product. It's probably a little bit more like a a niche product, a consumer, as it, as it is quite a different aesthetic. It's probably not going to appeal to everyone. And I hate to ask, Ross, because I'm a bit of a consumer, Sure. but where do you buy your work? Do you buy it just directly through you, or is it a retailer that you sell through? Sure. You can buy all our lights through the website. Our website, we've got an online store, and you can purchase lights from our studio in the CBD, but we also have a distributor who represents all of our products. They're called Starcraft, oh. and they have they have showrooms in every state. When you're... Pro, I mean, I'm interested in process, uh, Ross, mm. in terms of how you start. Sure. How do you start? Do you look at your collection of designs and say, look, there's a bit of a gap in this area in my collection? Or do you look at the broader market? Or you said before you don't actually get too involved about trends and what's happening. Mm. Do you just Is it just something that interests you? So the first products that I started to develop, I talked about, early on and they were about experimentation and they were about an expression of an idea and I found you could only get so far as far as making that product commercial it would always fall down along the way it might be a beautiful expression of an idea but you know it's too expensive or it's too fragile or you know it can't transport so um, the way we approach a new design now is kind of quite rigorous in the studio we have a bit of a set format without trying to stifle the creative process too much but we go through budget yeah we go through a number of we've, we've got a set document we go through a number of points where we look at potential price points we look at materials process we do look at existing products on the market where they're priced what they are um, we look at how people are going to interact with, with the product um, we look at sustainability as a whole as a separate thing but it's kind of intertwined now with the processes of um, each one of those steps and then we kind of try, try to create a concise document you know we're, we're not looking at all the materials in the world we're, we're, we're honing in and saying okay we're going to create a light we're interested in either using you know hand-blown glass or met spun metal or mm. you know we'll start honing in and kind of chipping away at what this product needs to be and wants to be to be a success not only for my brand but commercially and once that's done we let that sit for a little bit mm. <laughs> and kind of get some air and then start the design process um, which involves you know, pretty much sitting in cafes and sketching and coming up with ideas that fit that brief. Ross, do you find it frustrating uh, when you have an idea and you think, such as the um, polar desk lamp which is quite unusual and quite experimental uh, and you think if I was in Europe, I'd be able to achieve this very easily. I'm in Australia. It's very difficult mm. always creating that idea in reality. Do you get frustrated or you find this is the limitations of what we can do here? Let's work with that those constraints. Yeah, probably more the latter. Like, I think to be an Australian product designer, you, you kind of have to be, depending on how you work, you have to, you know... Um, work across a number of different disciplines um typically well a lot of designers bring their own products to market here as well which isn't the typical european model which would be you create an idea and then you 
and then you collaborate with a, a large manufacturer mm-hmm. who has in-house skills to bring it to market. Um, so I, I don't believe in an Australian aesthetic. I strongly don't believe in that. I believe our, well, my products... Um, Could be anywhere. Yeah, and, and that I believe the aesthetic, you know, I look for a contemporary aesthetic that can sit uh, internationally, as you say, anywhere. But when you kind of look at the DNA of a lot of my products in, in close in closeness, you can see that... It's a Ross Garnum. Uh, more so, okay. to, to me as a designer, I can look at it and see the manufacturing processes and I can see that they're, you know, the, the production in Melbourne. Um, like a lot of the, the processes and materials are drawn from around me in Melbourne. So, you know, we don't use, for instance, a lot of injection molded plastic. Um, we use a lot of hand-blown glass, you know, hand, hand-molded ceramic. All our timber lights are hand-turned on a, on a lathe. So there's, yeah, there's some process involved, and it's, prob- it's probably, if you look at it from an international sense, a lot of it is quite low-technology. Low but I think... Um, the challenge for Australian designers is to be able to use, you know, what what we have around us, and produce products that can can sit next to, or can sit anywhere. Ross, there must be times in your working week where you hit a low point. You just feel like something's not working. Sure, it's frustrating. What's the thing that always stumps you in your work? Something that you just know it's going to happen. Is it? What is it? that you find the most challenging? There's, it's probably, like, I, I still enjoy it, but the journey to find the idea is... is Harder. It's it's just quite time-consuming. Um, like, we still create a, quite a concise document, but then, okay, now we need to produce the product, and you move along, and obviously there's a number of concepts there, and it's quite challenging to hold out. It, everyone's different, but for my process, it, it's, it's about time. It's about um, saying no to as many concepts as, as yes, so waiting for the right concept or the right product to form, and sometimes it might form off um, a, a not a very strong concept. It might you know develop from that, or sometimes it might just appear. But that ca- that can be frustrating, especially when you have time constraints around bringing products to market. So. The other thing is, you know, rather than creating a collection every season, which a lot of designers do because they have to keep people interested, you tend to take the approach you just products evolve and you, you know, when your timber lights, for instance, you're still selling even though you, mm. you designed them in 2012, the tables. So do you see your work more as an evolution rather than getting a collection out every, you know... I suppose I'm, I've months. never been in any rush, so that's an important thing for me, just to kind of move at my own pace, although we do work pretty quickly in the studio. But um, I'm in no rush to be anywhere or do anything more than what I'm doing as a foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose I've changed the way I work more recently, where I've had the opportunity to create a small little studio. So there's six of us now. There's there's two industrial designers and two industrial design engineers. So um, where before, when it was just me, obviously it was it was me and a sketchpad creating product and doing the whole thing. Yeah, and now it's a really nice experience to work with another designer. So each one of the designers in the studio has a product that I work on with. So a lot of my times now spent 
you know, with an individual sitting down and going through details and then sitting with the next person and looking at different details. Um, and it's a, it's a really nice way. It's a nice way to spend your time, although it has its challenges as well. Ross, look, it's been a pleasure having you on my program. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming in. Thank you for the invitation. And well done on all the success. Um, I feel we'll be hearing a lot more about uh, Ross Gardam uh, in the coming few years. And it's lovely to hear someone who's so modest because really you've achieved quite a lot already. And I think we're going to hear a lot more about you in the future. So well done. Thank you, Stephen. You've been listening to Talking Design presented by Stephen Crafty at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.